Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, my name's Richard Moss, and I make a podcast called The Life and Times of Video Games. It's a narrative and documentary-style show about games' history and how the medium has evolved over time. Each episode or bonus interview soundbite delves into some aspect of the ups and downs of the industry, or the design, development, and legacy of the best or most interesting games ever made. It's all carefully edited, complete with original music and sound design, and a mix of interviews and deep research. All set up to tell you a great story about the secret worlds behind or within video games. I hope you enjoy the show. This show is part of the RetroZap.com podcast network. Hey, yeah, you. Did you know that Arcast is on Patreon? Go check out patreon.com slash Arcast for ways to help out the show and get some sweet perks in return. It could be something small, such as our $1 tier to show your support. Or join one of our higher tiers to get a shout-out, pick an episode topic, or even be a part of the show as a special guest. Even just sharing our show to your friends goes a long way. Once again, that's patreon.com slash artcast. Thanks for helping us, and keep it retro. What's up, Argonauts, and welcome to another Retro Gaming Podcast. This is episode 160 of the Rcast. I am your host, David Gilson, and with me is a man who will sing you the Mickey Mouse Club song for a couple of beers, Robert Workman. Uh, I don't do that anymore. <laughs> I kind of kind of stopped the karaoke thing with Disney ever since. The- I did sing The Lion King once. I, I played the role of, of Pumbaa. I did I did okay, you know, when I was a young was hog, you know, I did that, but oh, I don't sing the Mickey Mouse, th- I can't even fit into a good pair of mouse ears, I don't know what you're doing, <laughs> David. I don't know what you're doing, but we are talking Disney games today, and uh, we have a great guest with us here, who do we have here, David, who's with us? Yeah, so with us is Jason, aka Mr. J over Prima Games, so how's it going there, Jason? Hey, pretty good, thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, so that means you work with our buddy over there, Leanna Ruppert. Uh, unfortunately, no. I love her. Yeah, to death. yeah. See, right. I love her to death. I, uh, yeah, you, you can tell her that. You know, now you feel my plight. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so this this is gonna be like an episode all about like Disney retro games. And uh, Jason, I know that that you're all about like kind of, you know kind of like that that Disney life. Oh yeah. So I figured that you'd be like you know kind of like a perfect person basically to you know, to like talk about this. Um, but before we get into all that, we want to get into news. And uh, before we get into our regular news, I did have some uh, some kind of special news I wanted to kind of share out here. Uh, so I have like this, um, uh, this basically insider, if you will, with, uh, with like SNK and, uh, he was kind of like sharing some like news with me that he seemed very comfortable to like tell me. And there is like a press release, I guess, coming out on Friday. So basically the day when this episode goes up. Um, so I feel comfortable enough, uh, at least kind of talking about this. Um, basically he is, uh, you know, he is like cutting a deal, uh, with SNK as far as like having a mini samurai showdown console. And there's going to be like three different versions of it. Uh, so I'm guessing that these three different versions, uh, at least based on like the information that he gave me, 
are going to be like kind of like different artwork attached to it. So I guess think of something along the lines, I guess, of like the Neo Geo Mini, um, but hopefully better. <laughs> um, and uh, you know, basically all about like the Samurai Showdown franchise. So I believe it might include like all the Samurai Showdown games before the new one or something along those lines. I'm not entirely sure, but there is a you know there is going to be like a press release, so you'll hear like news about this basically the day that this episode goes up. So um, that's you know it's going to be really interesting to see what's going to happen with that. Um, and another thing that he shared with me too was in regards to a console cabinet. So this sounds like it's going to be something along the lines of maybe like an arcade one-up cabinet, uh, but again for like SNK games in this case. So it's uh, it's, it's looking really interesting in that regard, and also uh, with all, um, you know with like a Samurai Showdown um, like a coin-op version of it as well. So you'll see like possibly like the new Samurai Showdown in your local arcade, maybe at your round one or something along those lines. So those are pretty like big news uh, like on that front as far as like SNK fans are concerned uh, with all that. So we'll kind of like wait and see as far as like what other developing news are going to happen with that. Um, but Robert, I was kind of curious, I guess, like on, you know, what you think, I guess, on this uh, on this breaking news. Well, as long as this um, SNK Samurai Showdown console is nothing like Capcom's. Uh, in terms of cost, in terms yes. of, you know, make it affordable and also make sure they're games that I, I think are iconic in the series. Like, we have to include the original. Uh, we have to include Samurai Showdown 2, Samurai Showdown 5, which I thought was a really good entry. I mean, th- th- if it's only going to be like three different games, obviously you want to pick the most iconic. You don't want to pick something like Samurai Showdown Sen which is nowhere. Right, yeah, yeah. But I mean, certainly Samurai Showdown 2. Samurai Showdown 4 is also a very popular one. Yeah, true. Not 3. 3 felt like a misstep to me. So I have a feeling that we'll at least see 2, we'll at least see 4, maybe 5, maybe 6, you know. But I have a feeling, you know, SNK knows how to market their classic library. I mean, we've seen it. Like SNK 40th Anniversary Collection just came out for Xbox One with Baseball Stars as an exclusive. You know, that that's a huge draw right there, you know. And then on top of that, you know, they did their little Neo Geo Mini. And despite the dinky little control scheme, it's actually a pretty neat idea. And if they can improve upon that, that's great. So, I mean, I, I'm really eager to see. I mean, obviously, we'll know what the games are by the time this comes out. But I'm really eager to see what the approach is going to be. Because I know it's going to tie in with the upcoming PS4 game, which I believe drops next month. So. Right. So this 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 like mini console is apparently going to have forty games attached to it, including six of the Samurai Showdown games. Right. Okay. Um, and first time that three of these forty games, I guess, are going to be on console. Hmm. So some exclusives in that regard. Well, that's that's kind of a neat idea. But I'd love to see some returning favorites we haven't seen. You know, I'd love to see Eight Man in there. You know, we have not seen Eight Man get re released in ages. I love that game. You know, where you where you have your loves for Magician Lord or whatever. I mean, I, I'm an Eight Man guy. You know, yeah. you might as well call <laughs> me eight man, you know, and on top of that, I really want to know, is this Samurai Showdown console shaped like a controller or you know, like a sword? So, uh, so I, I, I did make like the joke to him that like, as long as it's not shaped like the SNK logo, then I think you'll be good. Yeah. <laughs> and as long as it doesn't cost $250, please. I mean, there, just, there, there's know. that too. Yeah. Like certainly the like pricing, but I'm sure we'll like learn all about it uh, very, very soon in that regard. Yeah. I mean, it is neat news though. It's great to see that they're, they're spreading up all these different ideas while at the same time still giving consoles love with samurai showdown snk 40th i mean it's a terrific balance with them and they're not limiting their options like <clears throat> a certain company out there that i won't mention sure yeah yeah uh so jason i wasn't sure like um what your thoughts were on this or if you're like an snk fan at all if there are like any particular titles that you want to see included in this 
Yeah, uh, I'm not I'm not as big of an SNK fan, but I do remember seeing uh, Capcom's console. We were talking about it, and I was like, "It's gonna cost how much money?" Yeah, <laughs> and like I when I play fighting games, of course, you know, I want to use a stick, and I love the the feeling of those buttons and stuff. But I'm like, I don't know if I want it to be shaped in the Capcom word and then cost 250 bucks. But uh, this SNK thing sounds pretty cool, and it might be something that I'm going to check out. Yeah, like it, it, it sounded really, you know, it sounded really cool, and also like the fact that you know, you know, again, that we are going to get three of these games for the first time on console. So these are previously um, arcade exclusives. So we'll kind of wait and see, I guess, on what that turns out. So, um, so getting into like our, our real news here, uh, or at least like the news that we had like planned out here. Uh, there's like the Sonic redesign, uh, which the word got out about this uh, shortly after our recording from last week, so we weren't able to really talk about it. Uh, but apparently Paramount and the director for the Sonic the Hedgehog movie are looking to redesign Sonic after all the like criticism and the memes and all that stuff on, on like Twitter and social media and all that. Uh, so, Robert, what were your, uh, I guess, like thoughts, I guess, on, I guess, like, you know, unlike this news, as far as like Paramount actually listening to the fans and like, you know, actually like, taking, you know, at least taking to heart, like all the criticism. Well, um, there's a pro and a con to this. The pro is that they understand kind of how laughably bad Sonic looked in his design. I mean, so, you know, because the human eyes, the human fingers, you know, the teeth, everybody the mentions teeth, yeah. the teeth. Like, <laughs> well, what's he going to do? Eat breakfast? And be like, yeah, of course, he's a hedgehog. <laughs> but, um, you know, I think the whole redesign thing is cool. And I like the fact that Jeff Fowler took to Twitter and he said stuff like, thank you for the support and the criticism. The message is loud and clear. You aren't happy with the design and you want changes. It's going to happen. But here's the con. They're keeping the November 8th release date, right? Which means that these effects guys are going to go working into overdrive to mm -hmm. give him the look he needs so he matches up with the rest of the film. Now, I've seen people do it before. You know, we've, we've heard about these reshoots before. There was this one movie called All the Money in the World where Kevin Spacey was in, but then the whole controversy happened with him and they replaced him with Christopher Plummer in what? Six weeks before the movie came out and they did it. And, you know, the movie was still whatever, but hey, you know, good replacement but i mean we're, we're talking about replacing sonic's character design with hopefully something more traditional with the traditional eyes and maybe not the creepy fingers you know just something that looks like sonic you know because i mean say what you want about jim carrey having the burt reynolds mustache or whatever in the end he does look like robotnik so you want something that fits that vibe so my only hope is that sega and paramount don't overwork these poor effects guys to the point that they're cramming this design onto Sonic already existing, and that they actually take it to heart, take the time, and give us the design we deserve, but not destroy themselves in the process. I mean, we've heard these these stories about crunch in trying to get things done, you know, in the game industry. Mm -hmm. The other album comes to mind. You know, there are certain other studios that come to mind. And I just really hope this isn't another one of those cases. I hope that redesign goes efficiently and well so that the fans love it, but not at the point where FX guys are swearing, oh, I'll never work in this industry again. There needs right, to be a yeah. balance. That's that's kind of like the big thing, really, is like the whole the whole idea of like crunch and like crunch has certainly become like more of an issue. I feel like, or at least uh, more vocal anyway in the video game industry. So like it's uh, you know I, I am certainly concerned about that, especially if they are looking to kind of keep that that like release date. And it sounds like they are, or at least they're going to like try to anyway. Um, but yeah, hopefully it won't be at the cost as far as like people having sleepless nights and all that. So, uh, so Jason, I was, was kind of curious, I guess, on your thoughts on this and also, I guess, like how you think that Sonic should look in, in the live action format. Yeah. So, uh, I actually feel exactly the same way as Robert, um, in that 
I think it's awesome they're listening to fans, and I think it's awesome that they're going through and they're like, all right, we're gonna you know try to make him a true character. Um, when I was watching the trailer, I agreed. I was like, oh my god, his, his, what are these teeth? These are terrifying. But uh, his mannerism seems to be he seems to be there. This like cocky little blue hedgehog, and I was like, that that's good, but I can't get past the visual. Um, but my my biggest thing is this has been outrage since we first got a look of him in the posters and all the like leak posters. And then, you know, the theater, um, ad sure. sets, that the legs and all that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, you're just now that the trailer is done and the guy is in full CG and done. You're just now saying, Hey, maybe the fans are right. I'm sure there's a lot more into it, but, um, I worry about just like Robert was saying, I worry about the crunch time. Um, because those VFX artists, like he, the VFX are good. He looks good in terms of um, blending in with the real world and the fur and all that, but it's going to take time and I worry about them. So, yeah, I think what they're trying to do, they're trying to lean on Jim Carrey's presence, but they're leaning too much on the whole 90s attitude thing. We, we heard it, Gangster Paradise, so. instead of, I don't oh know, a boss, a boss 40 <laughs> <Yeah>. was <that. laughs> You know? Which is not a good fit at all for no. that trailer. So yeah, I do have hopes that they get the job done. They do have the time. They do have the team and everything like that. I just want to get to the point where it's a crunch thing and it ends up looking like something like, I don't know, Tomb Raider Cradle of Life's weird monster shit things. You know? It, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because seriously, we've we've seen this before. But then again, we have seen studios like Detective Pikachu. They actually look really good. And get this, the movie is actually really good. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> right. I sat through Pokemon movies for years. They've never been really good. Wait, are you kidding? Yeah, I mean it's getting good reviews like so far from what we've been hearing. So um, yeah, so it'll be really interesting, I guess, to see like on how they're going to redesign Sonic and hopefully make him look more like how he actually looks in the games and all that. Like with yeah. like you know actually having gloves and having like cartoonish proportions and all that stuff. So I guess we'll wait and see on that, and uh, hopefully the um, you know it won't be at the detriment of like the health of the VFX artists. Yeah, but I mean it'd be a surprise. With the right team, you can get something done in a presence that's not usually known for. And that kind of leads us into our next story. I thought this was interesting. You know, we've been talking over the past few months about the possibility of Microsoft and Nintendo working together. We've seen kind of a hint of that with Cuphead being on Switch and all. But now, uh, a game development hobbyist who goes by the name Voxel9 has somehow gotten the XQEMU Xbox emulator working on a Nintendo Switch. And this includes loading and playing several games. Um, there are some issues noted with that, like a low frame rate and not the greatest, you know, emulation in the world. But I mean, he was able to find like Halo Combat Evolved. He was able to get Jet Set Radio Future working. I mean, it's not 100 percent, but it's an impressive feat, David. We've seen this before. We've seen developers who make games work on platforms that aren't able to work on that platform here. And it's pretty nice. Yeah, and it's honestly like impressive that that he's been able to get the Xbox emulator like to actually work on on the Switch. You know, obviously like it's not going to be running at like you know like the best like frame rate or anything like that. Um, but you know, as far as like it like not crashing and actually like running these games, like it's uh, you know it's really impressive in that regard. With Jet Set Radio Future, I noticed like with like the, you know with like the video, he had to speed it up to like four times speed, and uh, that's because like the game was like really chugging like on the emulator. 
And that's that's to be like expected, really, uh, you know, as far as like, you know, first time actually trying to get like, you know, the Xbox emulator, like working on the Nintendo Switch of all things. Um, so it, it, it definitely like presents like some like really cool ideas as far as like what the future of emulation looks like and like how these things can actually, you know, can actually run. Um, Jason, I was kind of curious on your thoughts uh, with this. I don't know if you got to see like the video at all uh, with this running. Yeah, I did. Uh, I own a Switch, and if I wasn't so afraid of breaking my warranty, I would do this in a heartbeat. Um, <laughs> yeah, they I, there's there's kind of that whole thing of you, you know when we found out that Xbox was bringing their live service to Switch with Cuphead in the form of achievements and stuff. All of us in the back of our minds are like, what are Xbox and Nintendo doing? And then you see this emulator, and like your dreams are kind of coming to fruition through a really awesome fan that knows some things, but. Um, it, it definitely, it chugs and it needs some work, but like the article says, it doesn't crash and that's a step in the right direction. That's really exciting. You know, and this could pave the way for whatever, um, cloud service Microsoft is rumored to be working on with the switch. I mean, if one person can get like simple Xbox emulation like this, mostly working like one person, like imagine, what the Xbox team has been working on. They've been putting a lot of effort into their cloud service and you know we only seen bits of it. You know, it's it's really paving the way for what could be a big announcement at E3. I'm actually not going to the show, so I can't say I'll see it in person, but I'll be online. I, I think David, are you're not going to E3, right? I'm not going either, no. Uh, yeah. Um but what's also like really interesting about the story though is that is the fact that he was using a PS4 controller to like run like the games and everything. So he's basically having Xbox software running on Nintendo hardware using a PS4 controller. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's 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 a totally cluster. I mean like wait, wait, what? What? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like that meme we saw where we have the Super Nintendo using the Sega Saturn controller and a PlayStation disc in the in the top tray. Like, what the hell are you doing? What is this? Yeah, it's a play box <laughs> switch in that case. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> um, but yeah, like it's really interesting to kind of see like how, you know how this is running, and uh, you know hopefully we'll see some some like improvements on that because I know Xbox emulation in general has been like a real real challenge honestly for these guys. So uh, so I guess we'll wait and see on that. Um, although one thing that we'll hopefully see running a lot smoother though is the streaming service for retro gaming, uh, which goes into our next story here uh, in regards to a service called AntStream. Uh, which recently got its Kickstarter goal of fifty thousand pounds, basically. So it's a it's a British company here, uh, and they have like a planned service, basically, where they're using the licenses from over two thousand classic titles to basically add as a, as like a streaming service. Um, so these these like titles come from like uh, arcades, ZX Spectrum, Amiga, Commodore sixty four, Sega Genesis, and like more. Uh, you know, like uh, as far as like uh, you know, as far as I know. Um, but this is gonna be like basically like an all you can play plan. Uh, so it's supposed to start at $50 a year, which is definitely kind of like on the pricier side, but could possibly be worth it depending on like which titles are available on it. Um, and it could actually be like a good first step, honestly, towards preservation of retro games. Yeah, it's a neat idea, but the the real question here is what will they have the rights to? You know, it looks like so far they're going after stuff that's like Impossible Mission, Joe and Mac, Double Dragon, Ikari Warrior. So it looks like they're working out deals with like SNK and all these different companies. Um, it's just a matter of what titles they are able to get their hands on and if they're going to be revolving titles like Xbox Game Pass has or if they're going to like, you know, have a continuously growing library. Um 
you know, we hear a lot about, you know, these services that offer these on-demand titles or titles that you can download and everything like that. But very rarely do we see one that like, you know, sticks to landing. You know, I, I don't know why, but OUYA comes to mind, even though it's a different kind of service. It just, you know, it, it's, mm-hmm. you could announce something with all the greatest plans in the world, but it could crash hard. Even like PlayStation Now, you know, it has PlayStation 4 games, PlayStation 3 games, and yet its lag is severe, like to the point yeah. that, some people can't even, you know, take part in the service. So, I mean, if it can nail the technical aspects, if it can nail the game library, I'm all for it. But, I mean, we've seen even, like, the simplest of services, like Nintendo Switch Online, has its problems. It's getting better, and we're seeing more games, like Donkey Kong Jr. and Versus Excite by coming in next week. But, I mean, we still got a ways to go. I mean, I've said this before, and, um, you know, like, I feel like that this is kind of like a broken record, honestly, at this point, but it honestly all falls down to the fact that the online infrastructure in the United States just is not all that good, (laughs) honestly. Mm -hmm. Um, And because of that, like, I I feel like that this sort of, like, service is always going to be kind of, like, trying to push uphill, like pushing a boulder uphill, if you will. Um, Honestly, it seems like Google might have, like, the best chance of it because it's Google, and they're going to be trying to, like, take some, like, liberties as far as like how they're going to go about doing like the streaming as far as like you know pushing through like their own servers and all that stuff um instead of like through like the usual um internet infrastructure that you know that like the united states runs on um but yeah you know it is really interesting to see what um you know what what anstream is doing here uh the ceo here steve cottom uh said in, in a recent interview here with ars technica uh, I was quite frustrated by the fact that I, that I could go online and pretty much get any movie, and I have Spotify for all my music. But for games, it was just a really, really tough experience. And Anstream is really about trying to put games on equal footing with movies and music in terms of accessibility. So, you know, I, I love the idea, and I feel like that we are heading towards that type of future. I, I just don't know how well it's going to work unless we actually get the online infrastructure again in this country actually working and actually being able to support that. Yeah. And, you know, on top of that, not everybody's crazy about the idea of a digital service. We have a lot of people who listen to this show that are into that collecting life, you know, so if they if you want to play a classic yeah. game, we'll just pull the NES out of, well, none of us can afford a top loader. I'm sorry, we, we can't. <laughs> but, you know, yeah. it, it's nice to have an option for it. But, you know, this another negative to this thing is that it's going to be like, well, OK, if I want to play Double Dragon, I have my NES right here or I have it, you know, on my Wii U or whatever. And sure, uh, you know, and or you like might I have said, like the games also like available on like a digital service as well. Like if they're available yeah. on like PS4 or like Nintendo Switch or whatever. And the only way you can yeah. like play some of these games is the classic way because licenses. There is no way these guys are going to be able to release like classic Star Wars games or, you know, some of the stuff that we haven't seen in years because the licenses have been so expired. So that's always I mean, a barrier too. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's just really a matter of finding that balance. I mean, I do wish these guys, well, they've got this great idea and, you know, if they can execute everything technically and with a good price, it's, it's going to be good stuff. It's just a matter of making sure it delivers. That's always like a weight on anybody because we could say about well they did that with on live yeah well on live's not around <laughs> anymore you know? yeah <laughs> on live was kind of like the um, I guess like the first step towards that and that's yeah. that just that just didn't, didn't, didn't take off really but Jason I was kind of curious in your thoughts with this service yeah I, I I'm so torn on digital service right now because I I'm just now kind of shifting more towards digital games I really like having my physical copies but. Every time I go and pick up a physical copy of a PS4 game, I put it in and I have to install it for an hour and a half anyway. So, um, but with streaming, it's, I love the idea of being able to 
stream these classic games and seeing like some of my favorite retro games uh just be available to touch of a button without having to use an emulator or go around questioning means um i would love to do that and have it all at my fingertips but uh like robert's saying it's it's going to be all about the licenses what they can get um and if this gets enough traction and enough exposure who knows i think i think it'd be really cool but um we also have, I, I think for older games like that, it'll work a lot better because you don't need the craziest internet to run it, but um, it it's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see this resurgence or this kind of like explosion of streaming games right now. Sure. Yeah. Even though there are like people out there who do prefer like to have like the physical media, it, it you know, it, it is good like to have like a service like this if it does run, run well. Um, just to have like you know as like an option again for like the preservation of these types of games because obviously preservation retro games are you know is, is kind of becoming like more of a more more of a kind of like an issue I guess or more of like a concern I guess I, I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I get you know we'll we'll definitely be seeing like more of these types of services especially with like how successful that services like Netflix has become and Hulu and all that stuff. Um, it, it's just like a matter of time you know that we'll have something like that that actually runs well but for gaming in this case yeah so. and I think that's kind of what Nintendo needs I mean like as soon as we see Super Nintendo games GameCube games maybe Nintendo 64 games we'll really start to see that service flourish but for now I'll be like I'm gonna pay how much to play Clue Clue Land? You know, or right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not just Clue Clue Land, but you get the point. It's just. I mean, the no. price point is obviously kind of like the big like concern for sure, and I feel like fifty dollars mm-hmm. might be a bit much, possibly depending on like the titles that are available for yeah. and like, the amount of titles, because they do say like two thousand right now, and that could grow over time. I, I, like, I'm, I'm just like a little curious, I guess, with I guess like the quality of games that are going to be out there, and obviously there aren't going to be any like Nintendo games in in that regard. So like the quality instantly kind of takes a hit in that regard. But if they do include like some games that we just haven't seen in a long while, or like you know games that are like exclusive to like a certain console that we just haven't been able to get like a re-release of some sort, you know it could be worth it for that alone. So you know kind of wait and see. Welcome. So that's going to lead us now to the part of the show called What Do You Plan? Who gets in games you've all been playing or have recently beat? So Jason, with you being our special guest, why don't you tell us what you've been playing? Sure. I actually just started uh, Final Fantasy XIV. Oh, I jumped into okay. that, the uh, MMO. Um, got the, you know, Twitch, if you're a Twitch Prime member, you got it for free. And a couple of my coworkers were like, yes, try it. And I'm like, all right. I'll try it. I like MMOs. I'll try the and video game. <laughs> I'll try the You don't have to tell me twice. So I uh, booted it up, and I've been playing that. Uh, I played it this weekend, and I've been playing it just in my off time. It's really fun. I've been enjoying it. Um, starts off a little little slow for me it's like hey go here and you know your typical mmo yeah. rpg fair like go here kill this thing go here kill this thing deliver this letter so um, i'm just now kind of getting into the meat of it um and liking that but really just trying to kill time until rage 2 comes out i can't wait mm. for the zany action that i think that's going to provide yeah i feel like with, with final fantasy 14 that was like one of the great comeback stories in a lot of ways because i remember when that yeah. first came out it had so many issues to it um, I never personally played it myself, but I had like uh, I have like a friend of mine actually who was like a hardcore fan of, of, of that game particularly, and uh, he would just not stop bitching to me about like how much like how much like the game was like just like in shambles and just like, it was, it was, you know it was almost like unplayable in a lot of ways. And then Square Enix just literally took it you know just just took it back in, put it in like the oven for like a bit more I guess, and uh, just brought it back out like almost as like a brand new game. And um, you know it's yeah. been it's been doing well since then. So. 
Yeah, exactly. It's it's exploded. It's it's you know one of the top. It it's that one and WoW are the only MMOs right now that are confident enough to charge a monthly subscription fee um, for their service. And from what I can tell right now, um, the quality is there. I'm, I have a long way to go. I've got it. I've got the base game and the first expansion, but um, it's pretty cool. I'm I'm digging it. I remember trying it way back when when it first launched, and yeah, I was like, no, this isn't for me. This is just not a good game. And trying it again now, I'm like, yeah, okay, it's there. I can see myself losing some hours to this. So yeah, <laughs> we'll see as it progresses. For sure, for sure. How about you, there, Robert? I'm working on a couple of games. I've been playing the Switch version of Saints Row the Third, the, the full package, which is available today. Actually, uh, it's a pretty solid port so far. I still got to work on a couple of things with it, but uh, yeah, it's pretty good. And you know, it, it paints a, a bright picture for the future games from THQ Nordic to come, including um, Red Faction Remastered, Red Faction Guerrilla Remastered, and. Nice. Uh, Darksiders 2 reportedly later this summer, which would be pretty nice. Um, I've also been playing Shakedown Hawaii. This is the latest game from B Blank Entertainment. It's the spiritual successor to Retro City Rampage, which came out about six years ago. Uh, similar structure. It's very cool. Uh, very you know open world, just like the old one, except it's got a 16-bit style to it with its visuals and its sound. Uh, you still go around and create chaos with like three different people. You got a CEO, you got his punk son, and you got some other goon. Um, and essentially, like the CEO is kind of losing worth in his businesses, so he creates destruction, gets a lot of money, and he buys stuff around the island. And uh, it's a pretty neat aspects to it in terms of making money and continuing. Like you can stop rival deliveries with a bazooka. That's always fun. Okay. Um, <laughs> some of the jokes are pretty cornball, but for the most part, it's a fun open world game, and it's been well worth waiting for. I'm really in, enjoying the heck out of it. I think it's pretty yeah. good. I mean, Retro City Rampage was kind of like that as well, as far as like its cornball humor. And I felt like it was very hit or miss in that regard. Um, so it's not too surprising for me to hear about that. But I'm definitely curious, uh, I guess, like as far as like how like it plays and see what kind of improvements have been made since, you know, since coming out with that game before. So Yeah. And then uh, I've been working on building up my uh, PlayStation 2 library. I've been doing some trades. Uh, came across Maximo versus Army of Zin. Uh, this is, of course, the follow up to the hit original Maximo, where you take them um, basically these robotic uh rock style soldiers that invade your land and you have to like tear them apart while at the same time saving innocent civilians and taking on the occasional boss this game really didn't get much exposure when it came up for the ps2 but i really enjoy the heck out of it i think it's a, a lot of fun and then uh the final game i've been getting into kind of like because we heard about the news last week about earthworm jim i wanted to check out a, another piece of work by doug Tenable. i found a copy of skull monkeys for the original playstation uh, yeah. uh this is the follow-up of course to the neverhood on pc but this is a playstation platformer really cool um you know hand-drawn vi- or i'm sorry handcrafted visuals with the little pl- clay style of fun gameplay but i think the thing that stands out about this is the soundtrack it is bonkers it's like a, a mixture of like groovy little um tim burton inspired tunes or whatever and these little show tunes and it's just really weird it's hard to describe terry taylor put the soundtrack together and i definitely kind of get like a tim burton vibe out of like the game entirely yeah so. yeah it's definitely yeah. got the beetlejuice ish <laughs> thing but it's it's, it's a I fun that, game though. yeah <laughs> it's totally a lot of fun i thought it was pretty good so what are you playing uh, as far as what I've been playing, I've been playing Mortal Kombat 11 still, um, so still enjoying the hell out of that. Um, still main Kano, uh, so I've been playing playing some matches with with some buddies of mine, like who I usually play like you know online multiplayer games with, and we're all about 
that that Mortal Kombat 11 life right now. Um, so yeah, I've been, <laughs> been you know been playing Kano, been playing some Noob Sabot. Um, I'm actually gonna like start to uh, to learn some uh, some Jade as well. Like I kind of like Jade a bit. And aside from that too, I've been playing Chrono Trigger Flames of Eternity, which is the like uh, ROM hack basically, which is meant to be kind of like a pseudo sequel to Chrono Trigger of sorts. Um, so I have this on my SNES Classic and just been playing it on that. Uh, it's definitely been pretty interesting. Uh, there's, there's, there's like some bugs here and there, and I think a lot of that just has to do with like just the you know the emulation itself. Um, but it's definitely very interesting, and it certainly takes like some interesting turns as far as like where the characters have been like the past like five years after the events of of like the previous game. So, uh, so definitely enjoying that. Uh, also, I went through Kid Dracula, which is the the Famicom game. It was like the first time actually that I went through like the game in its entirety. Like I, I played through like a few levels here and there, but never like the entire game. Um, it's it's a, like a pretty simple game for the most part until you hit uh, I think it's like level seven I want to say. And then it just throws you for a loop with this crazy difficult platforming level uh, where you're basically going up a tube and you have like these falling platforms coming down and you're just like at a, like a blistering pace just trying to keep up. And meanwhile, you have like robots that are trying to knock you off. There's like rockets going up in the sky. Like there's all sorts of crazy stuff going on. Like all of a sudden, like the difficulty just ramps up on that level. And then once you get past that, then like I think uh, there's like one pretty simple level, and then like the last level after that is kind of like a boss rush almost. Um, which if you die at any moment, uh, basically you go back to at like, the beginning of it and have to face like you know the bosses all over again and all that. So it definitely ramps up a difficulty later on in the game, but it's it's definitely a lot of fun if you get a chance like, to play it, and you definitely will when that Castlevania collection comes out. Yeah, now the question you posed here, and I think we talked about this a little before, because you posted a video. Um, you posted a video like, like these three dancing um, women and all that, be like, okay, so I'm trying to figure out how they're going to handle this, because you've got to guess the color of their panties, and I don't know if that's going to yes. fly. In the- <laughs> we're we're going to find out in a few days, obviously, because the collection drops on the 16th, but yeah, that's an interesting moment. For sure. Yeah, so I'm I'm definitely curious to see like what they change with that. Um, I feel like with the first boss, like obviously like, the first boss is like the part of the game that a lot of people like 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 to bring up because he's basically looks like a Ku Klux Klan member with like a Nazi symbol on on his head, but he's meant to be like a spooky ghost <laughs> or whatever. Um, oh no! But for like the Game Boy game for for the Game Boy Kid Dracula. Uh, they basically just had like that exact same boss just without the symbol on his head. So, and obviously that symbol has like different meaning, like for, um, you know, for like Japanese kanji and all that. But uh, obviously in the West, you know, it doesn't fly, but they, they'll, they'll probably do like a similar kind of change in that regard for this version. And I don't know, for like the mini games, I mean, that might be like a mini game that they might like leave out entirely and they'll leave in like the other ones. Like there's like a lottery one, I know. There's like another one where you have to like uh, stick swords into a barrel and hopefully it doesn't like stick it to like the skeleton guy who's in the barrel, basically. Um, it's like th- th- things like that. But as far as like guessing like the color of girls' panties, they might leave that one out just to kind of make it easier on themselves. <laughs> so um and aside from that too like the last game i have to mention here is masquerada uh so this is an upcoming uh basically like a top-down strategy rpg style game uh, i played a bit of this before i think during pax west last year i want to say um it's okay from what i played so far like i have like a review which should be up by the time that you're listening to this episode it's definitely interesting as far as like how it runs because it's it's definitely more of a slower pace um, even though it's kind of trying to be like fast paced a little bit, like it's, it's kind of odd. Like it feels like it doesn't quite know what, what to do with itself. 
Um, the voice acting's pretty good, though, um, I will say. And aside from that, it just feels like there's like a lot of um, a lot of the pieces don't quite play nicely together. I guess we'll say. Um, but I'll definitely have more to say on NintendoEnthusiast.com when my review is up on that. Uh, so with that, I do have a game code here to give away. So this is a game called Kite. So this is on Steam. And I, I couldn't really find like a uh, really good like description of the game on like the Steam page or anything. Uh, so I'm basically turning to, to some of like the review snippets here. Uh, so Kite is a very impressive dungeon-crawling bullet hell sci-fi action RPG wrapped up in the shell of a classic twin-stick shooter. That's from Alpha Beta Gamer. And Isometric Contra, direct influences or SNES titles like The Chaos Engine, Smash TV, and Zombies Ate My Neighbors, Kite is right up there with its role models and enhances the genre of shoot-em-ups with its RPG elements, fast-paced gameplay, and perfect controls. That's some Slack-O-Tastic magazine. I love that name. <laughs> and um, Kite is a fast-paced, top-down shoot-em-up beaming with retro flair. That's some V Gamers. Uh, so if that sounds like a jam, definitely jump on this. Again, this is for Steam. The code is H-Y-2-K-A-P-9-4-5-M-J-4-X-Z-H. Again, that's Kite on Steam. Enjoy. Welcome back to the Stage of History. And with that, we have the Stage of History, which is a celebration of retro titles that deserve a spot, for better or for worse, in the pantheons of history. So I figure since we're going to be talking about Disney games here, uh, that I'll bring up like a couple of Disney games, starting off with Darkwing Duck. So this is the NES game. This is a 1992 action platformer by Capcom. It was re-released as part of the Disney Afternoon Collection in 2017. It is rumored to be running on a tweaked Mega Man 5 game engine. And a 16-bit style remaster was pitched by Sonic Mania developer Headcanon, but ultimately rejected by Capcom. So this is a story I remember that we talked about uh, some time ago, Robert. And um, basically, I, I believe like after the rejection happened, they released the prototype that they were showing off to Capcom uh, to like, the public, basically. So Yeah, I mean, it is kind of a shame we didn't see the re-release. But at the very least, the game is part of the Disney Afternoon Collection, which you can play on Xbox One, yes. PS4, and PC. So it's not the end of the world. You still get a version that you get to play without you know, paying out the nose for the NES cartridge. And I thought it was kind of fun. I thought it was a really good representation compared to the POS TurboGrafx-16 cartridge. Oh, that game, yeah. <laughs> uh, I remember Angry Video Game Nerd ran through that and then almost swore off video games. Oh, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was bad. Uh, but, yeah, I like the NES representation. I just hope one day, you know, Capcom gives that remake a consideration because, you know, they did a good job with that pitch. But I mean, I'm still waiting for Chippendale remaster. Honestly. Yeah. Oh, man. I feel like that's kind of like the natural like next one to come down the line. I, I don't know how well DuckTales remastered sold, but, you know, I, I feel like Chippendale would be like the next one. Then maybe Darkwing Duck after that one. So can of wait and see on that. But Jason, have you played Darkwing Duck on NES? Yeah. So that was actually, oh, God, I was very young. Uh, the game came out right after I was born. So I played it when I got into gaming, which is probably around like five or six and NES was my first. Um, but that was also my first introduction to gaming and also kind of my first foray into Disney was Disney games on the NES and Darkwing Duck and DuckTales were like two of the originals that I that I played. Dark, DuckTales was later. But uh, yeah, this game was a blast. I would love to see a resurgence of it. Um, especially with, you know, we, we got DuckTales, which was a classic. We got that remade. So I would, I would love, 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 love to see that come back. 
Yeah, and the, this was actually like a pretty tough game too. I mean, as far as oh, like, yeah. as far as like uh, the Disney Afternoon games are concerned, anyway. So it definitely plays well. It's just like definitely kind of like a tougher game if you're not used to to that style of game, I guess. Um, so yeah, but it's definitely a good one. And uh, next game we have here in the stage of history is Mickey Mania. So this is a 1994 platformer by Traveler's Tales. It was the debut project of game designer David Jaffe, who would later work on Twisted Metal and God of War. It was originally supposed to coincide with Mickey's 65th anniversary, but would have only allowed six months of development. So talk about some crunch there. Um, And a sequel was in development, then canceled in favor of a game based on the then upcoming movie Toy Story. So... Uh, we never got a Mickey Mania 2, but I have played Mickey Mania just recently, actually just earlier today, actually, um, just to kind of get myself uh, prepped for this. And this is a tough game. This is a really, really brutally tough game mm-hmm. um, in a lot of ways. It's beautifully animated. Um, it's probably like one of the most beautifully animated games you'll find on the Sega Genesis, which is definitely a testament. But it's definitely a very, you know, very tough game in, in regards to um you know what hits you as far as like big big enemy sprites and like the hit detection can be a little dodgy sometimes and also even when you like beat like a level and you go into like the next level your health still carries over into that next level and if you lose all your lives you get to continue and if you lose your lives again it's game over and you go all the way back to the beginning of of, of the game basically so it's um it's definitely a tough game in that regard so jason have you played mickey mania Yes. So when it comes to Disney, Mickey everything. I live and breathe it. Um, Mickey Mania. God, I love this game so much, but uh, it is right there with you. It is hard. Um, (laughs) It also is very interesting because it was like one of the original Traveler's Tales kind of uh, titles to come out. But I think my favorite thing about it was, even though it was so hard, it took you through these classic really iconic Mickey Mouse cartoons from like Steamboat Willie to Lonesome Ghosts. Um, and it was just so cool seeing that in the art design and brings me to like one of my favorite series today, which is Kingdom Hearts. It was like, oh, Mickey Mouse is going through these worlds um, and these iconic uh, animations that he did. And it it was so cool, but so hard. Oh my God. And a lot of people went on like, David Jaffe, are you kidding me? He did God of War and Twisted Metal, but started with this. What? How, yeah. What happened? <laughs> I would love to talk to him and be like, okay. Um, but no, it, it is. That was a great, very challenging game. Yeah. Uh, Robert, I don't know if you played this at all. Oh, of course I have. Uh, I actually loved it more in the Genesis than the Super Nintendo. And one cool aspect of it, uh, this was one of the um, 16-bit games that used like a running stage. We've seen those Crash Bandicoot stages Mm -hmm. where the character runs toward the screen with somebody behind him. Mickey Mania kind of did that first with, with the moose. The moose level, yeah, which confused me. It really confused me, honestly, because like of the fact that like I believe you have to pick up like enough apples in order to keep yourself moving. Otherwise, Mm -hmm. Mickey slows down and gets like run over. Yeah, and you pretty much have to say uh, you have to like avoid obstacles as well, or you get run over by the moose. Um, It was definitely one of those difficult games, but I like the inspired hand drawn design, and not to mention the idea that it took its inspiration from classic Mickey Mouse cartoons, Steamboat Willie, Mm -hmm. the Ghost Hunters. uh, It was amazingly well done i actually like this more than castle of illusion dare i say mm. i think it was pretty cool in terms of its design and being loyal to disney brands i mean obviously you know if you wanted something a little easier castle of illusion or world of illusion was the way to go i mean i could walk through world of illusion in my sleep mickey mania would be like okay yeah we're not letting you do that <laughs> you're gonna have to yeah work. yeah you're gonna have to work <laughs> oh, yeah. for this victory but you know it, it yes. was really well done for its time and i still think it's a great game 
I was pretty hyped to see that one of the levels was from Mickey and the Beanstalk, because that's one of my favorite shorts, honestly. Um, oh, yeah. And um, I, I was just, like, a little disappointed, though, that, like, the end boss wasn't, like, the giant or anything like that, or, like, a, or, like, a level, like, where you had to, like, run away from, like, the giant to get down to the bottom of the Beanstalk or something like that. Like, I feel like that's kind of, like, a missed opportunity in that regard. Um, but otherwise, like, it was cool to see, like, the representation of, like, which shorts that they went with. Because uh, I believe like the last level was the um, like Prince and the Popper basically, and I like mm-hmm. that short as well. And that's gonna lead us now into Obscura. I mean, originally I was gonna go with Quack Shot, but that game is not really obscure. But I wanted to bring up Disney's Extreme Skate Adventure. This came out at in the year 2003 from Activision, kind of riding high in the coattails of the success of the Tony Hawk series. Uh, it basically uh, has a similar concept where you skate around in open worlds, do tricks, and do all sorts of things. But it takes licenses from uh, the likes of Toy Story, Tarzan, and The Lion King. So if you ever wanted to see The Lion King on a skateboard, this is the game for you. Um, it was developed by the team at Toys for Bob, or Toys for Bob rather, that worked on the the Spyro game last year, Spyro the Dragon Reignited Trilogy, and uh, it was brought to GameCube, PlayStation Two, and Xbox. It, it was a fun little game. You know, it wasn't as addictive as the Tony Hawk games that we were playing at the time, but it was pretty neat. And there was a multiplayer thing where you could play alongside a buddy. You know, it was a, a fun little title in terms of appealing to children. You know, and Disney fans, obviously, they're out there. You know who you are. Misty, uh, Mista. Anyway, <laughs> but it's, it's uh, <laughs> both you, Misty, Mista, whatever. And it was it was pretty well done spin off there, you know, compared to like Simpsons skateboarding, which fell apart. You know, it, it, oh, yeah, so bad. <laughs> yeah that, that game just not get it done. But Extreme Skate Adventure kind of did. I mean, even if it is a little weird to, to you know skateboarding with Tarzan. You know, I'll be like, where does he use for wheels? Coconuts? You know, come on. I mean, at least that kind of makes sense, though, because, like, he does kind of grind on, like, the vines and, like, cars that movie, at least. Mm-hmm. So there's that. <laughs> and I do like the idea of Buzz Lightyear on a kind of, like, a surfboard thing. That's pretty neat. So, yeah, I, I'm, I don't know if uh, either of you played this. Uh, let's, uh, let's start with David there. Uh, I definitely have not played this. I barely even have heard of it, honestly. I knew that there were, like, Tony Hawk uh, clones out there. Um, I believe I may have heard about this in passing, possibly one day in my life at some point, um, but definitely have not played it, and I definitely don't remember it off like the top of my head. But just by you know, just like thinking about like a Tony Hawk clone, both like Disney characters, um, and that like is basically everything that like I'm basically picturing in my head. I mean, I definitely have to check this out. So okay, what about you, Mister J? Have you played this one? <laughs> yes um i loved tony hawk as a kid and anytime another game came out that was even similar to it i was like yeah i have to do it so when you basically had tony hawk as disney i was like yeah i need this um and the fact that it was also by activision who did tony hawk um at least on the publishing side of it i was like yeah this is really cool and it it was fun um it was kind of more like tony hawk's um tony hawk's underground where you had to you had an open world and each uh disney world that you went to there were certain objectives you had to complete and then it even had a light level of character customization where if you didn't want to play as one of the characters you could go through and create your own character and then go through the worlds in that and then have like some customization unlocks but Oh man, it was it was fun playing uh like you as if you play as one of like the Lion King characters like Simba for example, you're on a on a mask um like a little tribal mask and then you go through the pride lands on it. It it was so fun. It 
it wasn't as in depth as Tony Hawk, but um, I completely forgot about this game until Robert mentioned it. I was like, "Oh my god, my childhood <laughs> is coming back to me!" Yeah. So did this game like have like its own like individual like levels in that case, as far as like each like, character having like a level? Yeah, I mean, it had three main modes in all: it had, like adventure, free play, and versus, and it was divided among different levels that had their own skate challenges, just like Tony Hawk. Um, the only difference, of course, is this one didn't have like Rage Against the Machine. It had like you know, <laughs> D- Disney really. If only, yeah, really. If only <laughs> had like Circle of Life and Hakuna Matata. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Hakuna Matata. <laughs> but it, it was fun, you know. Considering that you know it was just basically Tony Hawk at Disney World, it was really well done for a Disney related title. And you know, I figured I don't know if we were going to mention it during show outside of Obscura, so it's nice to kind of bring it up here and. Uh, it was kind of interesting. They also brought it to Game Boy, uh, Game Boy Advance, I believe it was. And, yes. And it was done by Vicarious Visions. Uh, and it was pretty well done. Obviously not as highly detailed as the console ports, but it was pretty cool to take on the go. It used the same game engine as uh, Pro Skater 4, which was I thought was pretty cool. So, yeah, I mean, it created a nice little skateboarding buzz back when we had skateboarding buzz. Like, you know, these days... And, Nothing, but you know, but back yeah. then it was all about you know getting those uh, million point combos and all that. And that's going to lead us now to our main topic, which is basically looking back at Disney retro titles. Uh, so I figure we'll start off with like the games that we grew up with, basically. So uh, Jason, since you're our special guest, why don't we have you just kick us off here as far as like which Disney retro games that you grew up with? And um, I believe you mentioned with Darkwing Duck being one, right? Yeah, so Darkwing, Darkwing Duck was one. Um, the one that I have the fondest memories of has to be The Lion King, um, specifically on the SNES. And Lion King is my favorite Disney movie ever. I, I've i seen the live-action trailer probably like four times in theaters, and my <laughs> girlfriend is just tired of me getting excited about it every time. <laughs> but uh, I remember... You know, being a kid, I loved Lion King. And when they came out with the game for it, I was like, oh, my God, I need to play this. And I I remember being fairly decent at it as a kid. And I went back to try and play it again as an adult. I'm like, this game is brutally hard. It's super hard. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And I cannot I, I found myself playing it probably like a week ago, actually, which is funny that it came up here. But. Um, there's specifically a level where it's all about timing and it's, um, is that the elephant tails one or yes, the sequence it's, I just want to be King and then you have that music playing and then you have to go through and like land perfectly in the elephant tails in order to swing up onto the giraffe's head and then slide down. It's so hard it's like pixel perfect basically as far as like your jumps and time yeah yeah. and correct me if i'm wrong don't you also have to like you know if you're jumping on hyena's heads you have to land on them perfectly or else you take damage yes it's pixel perfect Uh, yes (laughs) yep it it, it is when you do it it's like it was like dark souls level just (laughs) insane you want to rage and throw your controller but there was a way like there were ways to just nail it perfectly and when you did it after dying a million times it felt so good um and it's very satisfying it's very pretty game in terms of like that scene specifically there's colors changing in the background and sprites and all this stuff um but yeah it was brutally challenging and that that just holds such a uh soft spot in my heart it's a very fun game but 
very hard. Yeah, <laughs> it just seemed like uh, with Disney games, they were either very easy or very hard. You know, like, uh, I bring up World of Illusion. We actually talked about this a while ago because it's going to be in the Sega Genesis Mini along with Castle of Illusion. Um, this game is a lot of fun. There are three different ways to play. You can play as Mickey, you can play as Donald, or you can do co-op with Mickey and Donald. So it was three games in one which I thought was a really cool approach. Uh, the games themselves, you could pretty much beat each one in like 30-minute walkthroughs. So you were pretty much, you could see everything the game was about like an hour and a half. But it was so well designed. You know, the artwork was really well done. The music was terrific. Uh, better than Castle of Illusion, I thought. And the gameplay was a lot of fun too, especially in co-op, because you actually had to work together to solve puzzles. This is probably one of the better um, early examples of co-op design in gaming. And even in like a 16 bit era, it was really cool. Um, so yeah, World of Illusion was one of my favorites. Uh, Castle of Illusion's right there. So is Mickey Mania. But Quackshot, oh, I loved Quackshot. I know that's your jam. So yeah, <laughs> yeah Quackshot is my jam. That's right. It's my it's my jam. it's my jam. <laughs> um, it was just a fun platformer, and it was so different in design than Castle of Illusion. They they gave Donald Duck the ability to basically be Indiana Jones with a plunger gun. And it did really well with, like, making the plunger part of the mechanic, like, to create new platforms, to freeze enemies. The way you froze enemies, they didn't even fall over. They just shook for several seconds while you passed by them, which was interesting, to say the least. Because when I, when I hit somebody with a plunger, they shake something out. They're yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, That's true. Um, That's yeah. True. So, I mean, it was, it was a pretty well done game. I enjoyed it. And, uh, yeah, I mean, there were a lot of Disney games at the time, but... Uh, then, of course, we got to get to the uh, the big debatable title, and people still talk about this today, Disney's Aladdin, oh, either, oh. On Sega, <laughs> either on Sega Genesis or Super Nintendo. Oh, yes. I think both games played very well. They played very differently. You know, with the Sega Genesis version, you had a sword. You had, like, you know, platforming you could go through. It was designed by the same guys that worked on – well, David Perry, who worked on Earthworm Jim helped with the design alongside Virgin Interactive. And then Super Nintendo was more like a, a general platformer where you didn't really have a sword, but you could use apples. You could bop off enemies' heads. You could, like, swing on certain rails. You could use, like, a sheet if you wanted to do some gliding, I believe it was, to, like, get to other spaces. And it was pretty well done in design, too. But, I mean, it's it's just remarkable how people still argue what's the better Aladdin game when, in fact, the Sega Genesis one literally had the Disney touch. Exactly. You know, yeah. animation in it and everything like that. Although the Super Nintendo version is nothing to scoff at. It was well done by Capcom. It just didn't have the Disney touch. Right. Yeah. I mean, they both have, like, their pros and cons to them. Um, although I, I definitely have to give, like, the edge to the Genesis version because, one, you get a sword. And, like, two... Well, yeah. And, and, you know, yeah. And, like, and, and, like two, I mean, you have, like, that, the, the, the like... The Disney touch, as far as like the animation actually being done by by the Disney team in that in, you know in that particular port. Yeah. So I mean, you kind of have to give the nod in that regard. Plus, I, I feel like with the Super Nintendo one, I mean, like it, it's still good, but like it, it definitely seems to take, I guess, more of like a I guess like a Lion King approach in that sense, where where it's just more about like getting more precision platforming done, pretty much in in, in the levels. So. You know, so it, it's definitely different in that regard, but it, you know, that was just like a very interesting time for gaming period where you would have like, you know, two games with like the same name coming out for different consoles and then each game is totally different from each other. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. One of those interesting contrasting sort of like um, Mickey Mania and Castle of Illusion. Yeah. Yeah. Two yeah. Worthwhile Mickey Mouse games. For sure. And I mean, like, like as far as like games that I grew up with, though, um, I have to mention Chippendale Rescue Rangers on the NES. Oh yes, yeah. um, and the I sequel. Did... 
and, 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 and also the sequel, yeah. I, I didn't play the sequel until the Disney Afternoon Collection came out, actually, because that was like more of like a rare game, actually. Um, so I, I did get to play it and experience it there. Um, but as far as like the original game, I absolutely love it. I love the music. I love like the way that the sprites look. Um, I love like the way the platforming feels in that. Like it's very kind of like it's very snappy kind of like platforming, which which I definitely dig. And I love the whole idea of like being able to like pick up boxes and just throw them like super fast like that, and also being able to hide in the box and have enemies come come towards you and just like die instantly in that regard. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so it's re- really cool there. But there was another Chip and Dale game which I don't think a lot of people know about called Chip and Dale Rescue Rangers. Uh, the Adventures in Nimnol's Castle, uh, which is a DOS game. I don't know if you played this at all, Robert, but this is a uh, not good game at all. <laughs> um, it had three different levels to it, like where you're basically outside of the castle, and then you're at the steps of the castle, and then you're inside of the castle where you're basically, uh, you have like one of the mechanical dogs basically trying to like eat Dale as Chip is like helping Dale like move across like a wire or something, and I don't know, collecting, like, some items, and, like, it takes, like, you know, it, it takes, like, longer than it really should, and it's very annoying, and I just remember playing this a lot on, on like, the DOS computer, like, like, back in the day. It was just, like, uh, you know, an absolute it, nightmare of a game. It almost seemed like any game that came out for DOS was a nightmare at the time from <laughs> Disney, because there was also another one, DuckTales, The Quest for Gold. I was that going was to mention that, too, because I did play awful. that, too. Oh, yeah. yeah, that one I played, God help me. But that yeah, <laughs> yeah, because I did play that as well. I I actually interviewed uh, David Mullock, uh, who's like who's like the lead designer, I believe, for for the game. And um, this is like back in my like Ultra Mega Death Ray days. But um, but yeah, like I remember interviewing him and like telling him about like my experiences playing that game and like how much I remember liking it as a kid, just because of the fact that it was Ducktales on the computer screen and it looked cool. But actually playing it was definitely a challenge, and I was just persistent with it just because it was a DuckTales game. Um, but I remember, like, levels like, um, what was it, like, having to move, like, Launchpad McQuack's plane and, like, trying to, like, get him to expertly, like, land, like, into the hangar. And, you know, th- you know I-, I remember that being really tough. Uh, there was also, like, the level, like, where you're in, like, the cave system, and you're, like, you know, you're, you're like, Scrooge with, like, Huey, Dewey, and Louie, and you're, like, navigating through, like, these, like, you know, this, like, cave labyrinth, and it was just, like, an absolute nightmare to get through. Um, so, yeah, the, it, was, it was definitely a very interesting game, because especially since it came out, like, you know, like around the same time as the NES game. Um, but, yeah, it was not good at all, though, for sure. <laughs> yeah, I, I think we need to reflect back on games that were actually good. <laughs> and one, one I want to bring up here, one that I really think stands out that a lot of people may not have played is this game called Gargoyles. Oh, uh, it's for the Sega yes. Genesis absolutely excellent i mean uh, we keep talking about like the show needs to come back i keep hearing jordan pills doing something with it i'm like but he's not yet so um the game itself though is a really stylish side-scrolling platformer beautiful animation well done level design moody music just really cool and it was supposed to be released for super nintendo as well but it ended up being canceled the last moment but uh it is kind of cool that in uh 2012 uh an an animator by the name or i'm sorry programmer uh chris shrigley he released a source code for the game for educational purposes so people who wanted to try to design a game like this can look up that code and do it uh, which i think is really cool because the design of this game is excellent i mean it's still one of my favorites uh it deserves a re-release it won't get it because i don't think they care about gargles anymore which is kind of kind of shame but it is i mean this was such a fun game i would have loved to see it on super nintendo as well but the genesis this is definitely one of my um favorite games out there and another one I want to bring up here uh, that was really well done, because, you know, we talk about Aladdin, but mm. very rarely do we talk about the Jungle Book. 
Uh, this oh, was done yeah. by Eurocom and released by Virgin Interactive. Uh, the Genesis version was great. There was also a Super Nintendo version, but I really like the um, the Genesis version. I think the feel of it was just about perfect, and getting through levels was kind of fun. I mean, yeah, there were a lot of monkeys everywhere, but it's the jungle book. <laughs> it's know. a jungle book. Come on now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Duh. But, you know, <laughs> I, I think it was really well done. And uh, another game that stands out in the, in the 16-bit era. I think it was really cool. And interesting enough, um, a, the game actually got remade in 2003 for the Game Boy Advance. Ubisoft decided to make it. Uh, it follows the plot of the 1967 movie still. And it's more of a, a puzzle-based game with its redesign. It was kind of came out to promote The Jungle Book 2, which came out back, I believe, in the um, – 2003 something mm. like that was that like a direct-to-video yeah i think it was or? this was okay. back this back when disney was going nuts with direct-to-video <laughs> so, oh, okay yeah um it was okay but i think i prefer the classic version so mm. okay. i think that was a good one we're bringing it up i mean i don't know i I'm jason i'm assuming you play jungle book yeah um it it was not my favorite but it was definitely a cherished like i i growing up playing all the disney games it was like yeah that was a very fun one it was not one of my favorites i've never been a giant jungle book fan but yeah me neither yeah i know what games david liked though he liked the dance <laughs> dance revolution disney i was game. going to mention that oh, game yes god <laughs> about that yeah, and it's a great game because it has a great soundtrack to it, it as does. well. I mean, you have like these like European rave versions of like these Disney songs, like the Mickey Mouse March and things like that. I'm gonna yeah. make a spot if I play this with that for tomorrow. <laughs> I'm ready. It, it's like I'm reading David's mind. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There was also Ducktales remastered, um, which I had to mention because yeah, it was just like so well done. Like the animation was just like really spot on, and like the fact that they had like the same voice actors too from like the uh, oh, from, yeah. the original show on there. Uh, was 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 really well done. So, you know, I definitely have to mention that, and obviously with like Chippendale too. I mean, like with Chippendale, I mean, I could definitely play that game. Like it was like nothing, pretty much. It was just like one of those like games that like I could play in my sleep, and it's just like such an enjoyable experience every time. So yeah, yeah. and then we got to we got to think about the Nintendo sixty four era too, because we actually had two pretty good uh, Mickey Mouse games on that platform. We had the Magical Tetris Challenge which I thought was a really well-done version of Tetris featuring, you know, Mickey Mouse and company. And then there was also Mickey Speedway USA. Uh, this got overlooked a lot because, you know, we had Diddy Kong Racing, we had Mario Kart. We didn't really get too deep into Mickey Speedway, but it's actually pretty good. You know, it features a number of unlockable characters. You could, you could play as uh, Huey, Dewey, Louie, Ludwig von Drake, who we haven't seen in games in forever, uh, <laughs> yeah. along with, you know, Goofy and Pete and Donald and Daisy and Mickey Minnie. Um, it was a really done racing game. Uh, I, I really got uh, into it. It was uh, great with its multiplayer and its battle modes. Needed more characters, but it is pretty cool to see Disney kind of team up with Nintendo. You know, very rarely do we see that kind of union come into play. So I, I thought this was really well done. I mean, it was definitely better than what we got on the GameCube. What was it? It was a Midi, Mickey's Magical Mirror or something oh, like yeah. that. Yeah. It sounds familiar. Disney's yeah. Magical Mirror starring Mickey Mouse. Yeah, that was it. Uh, and then obviously Disney's Party and all that. And then somewhere in the midst of that, I think it was on um, – on the mobile front or whatever. Uh, no, it wasn't on the mobile front. It was Game Boy Advance and Nintendo GameCube. Disney tried their hands on all these different sports games. You know, Disney Sports Soccer, Disney Sports Skateboarding, Disney Sports Basketball. Um, <laughs> uh, and they just, they were okay. It was popular. They Disney sold was doing them. it. 
Yeah, yeah, but you know, Disney Sports skateboarding was nowhere near as good as Extreme Skateboarder no. or Extreme Skate Adventure. It was not. I good. mean, like it seems like that they were kind of trying to follow, I guess, with what Nintendo was doing with like the Mario sports games as well. Yeah, it just it didn't work. They tried to sell it on name alone. Um, I really wish they had done better with it. But I'll tell you what I was surprised to see. Uh, kind of for a while there, we had an evolution of Tron games. Like, you know, we had the original arcade game. We had Discs of Tron. But then we started getting stuff like Tron 2.0. Uh, this came out uh, for the Xbox back in 2003, I want to say. Something like that. Or 2004. And it was a neat little first-person adventure game that utilized itself into the world of Tron. And, you know, with that, they actually brought in back some of the talent. They brought in Bruce Boxleitner. They brought in Sidney Morgan. Um, they brought in Rebecca Romaine uh, from X-Men 2 to play the voice of Mercury. Oh, right. This is the first person shooter, right? Yeah, yeah. It was really well done. You know, yeah. I mean, uh, Disney was fully on board with that. But I'll tell you, one title that took me by surprise, um, this actually came out back in 2010. It's a game called Tron Evolution. Mm -hmm. and uh this was a platforming adventure developed by propaganda games before they closed down and this was really well done you know the, the physics were great the world was well designed the battle sequences were really well done because you could actually fight in like a big open combat sort of system using like different discs which i thought was really cool and getting around different puzzles and stuff light um there was a light cycle sequence there was a light tank sequence but, you know, this this came at a time when, like, Disney was really ambitious with game design. It came the same year as Split Second. And then, like, shortly thereafter, they, like, gave up. They closed down their internal studios, and, and they went more the direction, like, with Disney Infinity, which we'll get into. But it was just really a shame because the Tron design was really great with these games back in the old days. You know, and Tron Evolution is actually playable on Xbox One, so they do care about it still somewhat. But it just still bummed me out that, you know, like, Tron didn't get a chance to shine with even more diverse games. I would have killed to see good, like, Tron Power Stone-style fighting game. That'd be yeah. cool. Yeah. yeah. Be down for that. Mm -hmm. um, one title I was kind of surprised to see here, because I was looking at kind of like a big list of, like, Disney titles, uh, was Arachnophobia. Uh, so I remember this movie, actually. Yeah. And uh, it's, uh, yeah, it, it, was, it was quite a movie that left an impression on me, because I remember actually having Arachnophobia before watching the movie, and this movie actually kind of cured me of that. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, just like funny enough but uh yeah like as far as like with with like the game though like, I, I never even heard about the game but apparently it was on ms-dos commodore 64 amiga and all that um and it, it was a shmup as well so robert i don't know if you if you played this at all or if you heard about it arachnophobia actually no i have not and now i'm curious because i mean i want to shoot spiders because you know you, you see a spider around the house you burn down the house you know, right, exactly. <laughs> that that meme has some has some statement to it, um, but it's got some legs on it, if you will. It definitely. <laughs> oh, why would you do that? Why? <laughs> That's <was> perfect. <laughs> but no, I, I I'll have to look it up. It, it sounds pretty because you know, like Disney, they they occasionally did that. They occasionally leaned on their movie licenses, and I was actually going to bring up another one here, Dick Tracy. Oh, on yeah. the Sega Genesis, because um, what it is, it's sort of like a side-scrolling shooter thing, but it had this neat thing where you could shoot enemies in the foreground, and then you could use, like, your machine gun and shoot enemies in the background, and then you have, like, your occasional boss battles and all that. It was pretty well done for a movie license game compared to, like, the NES version, which... I did not like. Yeah. Was that the LGN title? Yeah, or? that was the one where you like patrolled the streets in a car or whatever, and then you took on enemies and there was a side scrolling thing. And I don't know. I think it was going more for the classic art style than the Disney style when it came out. It sounds kind of similar to the Who Framed Roger Rabbit game. Yeah, it was kind of like that. It, it was just not as good as the Genesis version. 
Yeah, yeah. And um, would we also count the Kingdom Hearts games in this also, since it does star a lot of Disney characters in it? I would say so. That's something that's like near and dear to my heart. I Kingdom Hearts is my favorite game series of all time. Oh, and there you go. Well, <laughs> so why not tell us about Kingdom Hearts then? Because I'm definitely not like a Kingdom Hearts guy at all. So. Oh well, let me tell you about Kingdom Hearts. Um, <laughs> I oh god, this I have. It's my favorite game series, but it's such a love hate relationship because half of the games are great the other half should have never been made but they did it because they were so (laughs) in between like what they wanted to do square was like we've got this game coming but in the meantime we're just going to use this exact same engine throw in kind of something and really convolute the story but you mean like the portable games basically oh my god yeah uh it was 358 two days and um birth by sleep i know is one Birth by Sleep is actually one of the better ones. Um, if not, in my personal opinion, it's like there's there's like in the top three of the nine or ten games that there are. Birth by Sleep's in the top three for me because it actually completely changed the gameplay. It didn't have as much Disney. It does, but doesn't, um, and really goes into the origin story of it. But the I was never a Final Fantasy fan um, back then. I just couldn't get into it. and But I was a huge Disney fan. So when my friends were like, you got to check out this Kingdom Hearts game. I was like, eh, I don't really like Final Fantasy. Like, no, just trust me. I put it in. I played it. I fell in love because even though it has Final Fantasy, you know, characters in it here and there, it's mostly Disney. And it, it just being able to go to these Disney worlds and more or less experience the storylines of the movies that so many people fall in love with is like, there's no other game that gives me the feeling that kingdom hearts does. And the like fulfillment that that series does. I mean, that's always been kind of the thing that intrigued me about the Kingdom Hearts games and makes me want to at least try it out or at least give it more of a shot, really, because I I have played like a bit of Kingdom Hearts before. It's just that the gameplay doesn't really agree with me, honestly. Um, But as far as like actually going around to like the different Disney worlds and like, you know, going to like Wreck-It Ralph world or going to like, you know, to like like Tron or whatever else, it's uh, that really intrigues me. But it's uh yeah i don't know it's just just something with that with that gameplay for whatever reason i guess it comes across as too too simple for me i guess definitely and that's the first kingdom hearts game as well it's it's so simple the combat is so basic and they have improved it a lot like kingdom hearts 3 um that came out this year was it's so good in terms of how they perfected the combat and there's so much strategy to it but um yeah i totally get that it's kingdom hearts is such a polarizing series because it's not for everybody i cannot if somebody's like oh call of duty i can't be like you should try kingdom hearts they would hate it right yeah yeah Yeah. it's completely opposite what is this i can't even get a headshot with this key why am i carrying a large (laughs) key what's happening see i i I played a few of these but i don't get in them heavily like others did so when this whole thing about kingdom hearts 3 will finally come out i'll be like okay great wonderful you know i still wanted to check it out but i'm just not a diehard fan i mean it is neat that square and disney teamed up and they did everything with these little characters like it was great to have chicken little voiced by zach braff in the game that was cool oh, yeah. you yeah. know james wood is james woods is um, hades? hades i think yeah. it is yeah so it's great to have you know some of the voice talent aboard frozen you know kingdom hearts 3 that josh gad come in and krista bell and it was great oh you know? yeah they show their devotion to the franchise but it's still just – it's one of these things where if you're not really hooked on day one, it takes a lot to really catch up. Like, who's this guy? You know, who's oh, this guy? True. 
if you don't recognize the non-Disney characters, it, it could be, it can throw you for a loop. I mean, oh, the yeah. combat's gotten better, I think, but it's a matter of grasping certain things. Like with certain games comes a certain level of appeal. You know what I mean? Yes. This is a very specific appeal. One game I want to bring up here is like the Rocketeer. Oh God! Do you really have On the to? Super <laughs> Nintendo. Well, they made a game out of that. They yeah, did. for Super Nintendo, Barely. it was oh, a side-scrolling no. thing. Barely. It wasn't good, but I mean, it was marketed with the fans of the movie in mind. You know, like Fair. the sports games are marketed with the kids in mind. You know, it's with with certain games like this. I mean, they've gotten better over time. You know, they they started like grasp more of a a general audience. But I I think that kind of I mean, I don't know what it is. If it something doesn't fit with Kingdom Hearts, then something definitely fits <laughs> with Disney Infinity. Nice segue. That was good. Thank you. I try my best. I'm I'm I'm, I'm smooth. <laughs> well, I was gonna say, you know, Disney Infinity for years, this series kind of introduced a great level of interactive adventure. Like, you know, the first one had like different characters from different franchises. The second one focused on the Marvel universe and was really well done. And then the third one got into Star Wars. And, you know, it was about to get to one point. If they got to 4.0, they were going to mesh everything together. Like, you were going to have Darth Vader team up with Iron Man or something like that. And, you know, for a while there, there were some really great ideas behind this design. And it was just really well done. But the series apparently didn't sell as well as Disney was hoping. And they killed it after 3.0. Just when it was starting to pick up steam. Because 3.0 was the best designed one. You know, there are people who still dive into 3.0 just to see what it's all about you know they have to hunt down these figures or whatever but it's still worth it i mean know? when you're dealing with like a disney property i mean you have like a certain threshold that like it's like such a high number they have to like reach otherwise it's just not worth it for them so yeah and it's it just reflects back to what they did with the teams behind split second and behind pure behind exactly you know yeah. tron evolution it's really frustrating their level of business and now it's to the point that we're seeing you know disney games from warner brothers it's true. <laughs> Cars 3, they published last, or a little oh, while back, yeah. and then they're doing Toy Story 4 this summer, That's and it's right. just yeah. weird to see Disney games under Warner Brothers. It's but, very but odd, yeah. I, I think it's, it a, it's to say something with like the rights, maybe, like with the different yeah. aspects of the movies or something. I, I'm not sure. I don't know. It, it's weird, but I mean, it just goes to show, like, there's something out there for everybody, but there are certain games that are only like for a select few. I mean, I really don't know how the Rocketeer got made. <laughs> I mean, the movie was so much better. But I mean, like the Rocketeer. Had- I mean, you you were saying before, like about like how like the Rocketeer had like the people who liked the movie in mind. I feel like this this game had no one in mind because it was just yeah. such an atrocious game, especially right at the beginning. Where I remember it's just all about like doing like biplane racing, just going around. Oh circling. God, I hated that. It was terrible, <laughs> and it has you know like it has very little to do with like the movie itself, but like it's just like it's such a you know it's it's like basically the first level in in like the game, and it's so impossibly hard. It's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I got past it a few times, but then it was like okay. Yeah, but, but then you're met with like another like hard part, which is like the uh, I think it's like the gallery shooter part, and it's just like what? Yeah. Like it's just it's just ridiculous. You know, it, it wasn't that well done. It was like Nova Logic made it, and we don't know what the hell happened to Nova. Yeah. So. <laughs> but then you had like other games that started to get more of like a marketable appeal. Like these days, you know, we we see stuff like Lego The Incredibles, uh, Lego Pirates of the Caribbean, Disney Crossy Road. Oh like, yeah, that's what oh, I live yeah. for. Let me walk around with Mickey Mouse and get hit by a damn car (laughs) forgot about that one yeah yeah because it just seems like the golden era has kind of passed us by you know but with that we're we're starting to see games that are more approachable to a lot of people but 
I mean, just reflecting back to Kingdom Hearts, there's that certain level of appeal, like with kids or with, you know, role-playing fans or whatever. And it just seems like when Disney Infinity kind of went down, we kind of lost that accessibility. You know, because with Disney Infinity, there were so many possibilities you could do with characters. You could play however you wanted. You could buy whatever characters. If you wanted to get through this game, you know, you could start over like Princess Leia and Luke Skywalker, but then you unlock like Darth Maul which is amazing, by the mm-hmm. way. Playing at Disney Infinity with Darth Maul is the best. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I just, I, I miss that level of accessibility. Like, Disney sure. has changed quite a bit, and while we still see some good marketable titles out there, it's safe to say that, you know, seeing stuff like Tron Evolution, seeing stuff like Rescue Rangers 2, it's, it's far and few between. Yeah, yeah. Although there's definitely like a lot more possibilities, I guess, with where they can go. It's just that it's kind of limited, I guess, by how profitable that each individual project can be. Um, so that's why you're not going to see like things like gargoyles or whatever like come back. Because uh, yeah. like I feel like that's that's more of like a niche crowd, despite how rabid of a fan base that that show has. Um, yeah. But um, yeah, I don't know. Like it, it would be really cool though to see someone come up with like a really cool like I don't know reboot of like that show in like some fashion, like kind of like how they did with like Shira, for example. Doing like the yeah. Shira show, like like it would be really cool if they did something uh, as far as like reimagining what like Gargoyles is, but still kind of keep that like you know, dark gritty kind of like feel to it. So yeah, well they did it with Ducktales. Yeah, and it's that's been a huge success. Yeah, mm. yeah, Ducktales has been great, and they they found a really good balance of catering to kids but also to adults. It's it's a great show. Well, because like the show itself really is a callback to the original comics with like the way that they, that, you know, that like yeah. the, the like design is for like Scrooge with like the red, um, with like the red jacket and all that. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. You know, it, it, it just like it definitely kind of like um, it caters to that, but also caters to like you know to like kids just with like the overall sense of like adventure and childlike joy that like it brings. So um, it's definitely not like the um, uh, the like original show by any means, but it's it, it, like I, I think that's for like its betterment because it, at least it kind of like craft like its own identity. The despite it being like another DuckTales show. Yeah. I think what we need is like more celebration of like blast from the past stuff. Like, you know, Capcom should have greenlit the Darkwing Duck sequel or remake or whatever it was. Heck, I'd even take a remake of Nightmare Before Christmas, Oogie's Revenge. <laughs> okay. Anybody remember that one for the PlayStation 2? A little bit. A little like bit. the unofficial sequel to the movie is, Kinda, is how they it was, pitched it. It was pretty cool. I mean, there were some stuff in terms of like, you know, the way that the game unfolded, but I still thought it was a pretty neat idea, you know, yeah. and a lot of people ended up pretty attracted by it. But like some of these games just merely existed for license, like Atlantis Lost Empire. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. That was, I love <laughs> like that movie. Epitome of video game uh, or movie video. Video games based on a movie. That's yeah. what I'm trying to say. Basically, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, like Tarzan Untamed. Remember that yeah. one? I mean, basically, like any like property that was like out there that made like a game out of it or games out of it, pretty much. And um, yeah, there's definitely like, a lot out there, and so we can only mention so much, which is why we had to turn to like the listener responses here. Uh, Let's do it. Starting off with Damian Renwick, who says World of Illusion. I really love the animation. Uh, Nick Cohen, who says Ducktales and Chippendale Rescue Rangers. I have a feeling that those are a lot of people's top two. Uh, Leon Oliver, who says loads of top games from 8 to 16-bit era, Lion King, Aladdin, Castle of Illusion, Quackshot, Lucky Dime Caper. Uh, probably Castle of Illusion was my fave, though. Um, so Lucky Dime Caper, do you guys know that one at all? Or 
No. Lucky Dime Caper. Yeah, I'm not entirely sure of that one myself, but I mean, I definitely believe him that like that's the thing because it definitely sounds like it could be like a Scrooge McDuck kind of like thing. You know? um, I think it was like only came out like very limited U.S. release. I don't think I got heavy distribution because this came in at the time when they were just kind of transitioning out of the Master System era. So it might have gotten more popularity in Europe. But if I recall correctly, it was a pretty good Donald Duck game in okay. terms yeah, of like, side scrolling, although yeah. not as good as Quack Shot. Just saying. Gotcha. I mean, uh, we are forgetting a lot, a lot of Donald Duck games. We've got about Going Quackers, PK Out of the Shadows, which I believe we brought up on a previous episode. I believe you're right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I want to say. But anyway, go ahead. Go ahead to continue. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's Ryan Matthews. It says, Mickey Mania on the SNES was so difficult, as we as we mentioned before. Yeah. Uh, Brian Jacobson. It says, DuckTales, Rescue Rangers, Lion King, Aladdin on SNES. Uh, Red Bradley Lapitan, who says DuckTales, Darkwing Duck, Rescue Rangers, Little Mermaid on the NES, uh, which I believe, oh. which I believe the Little Mermaid, uh, that was also like a very difficult one or notoriously mm-hmm. difficult. It wasn't game. like swimming in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. No, but no, it was no. pretty difficult. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, it mentions Goof Troop, uh, which is like another great co-op game. Uh, Aladdin and the Mickey Mouse games all by Capcom. Roar of the Beast, which I don't think I've heard of before, actually. Hmm. Oh, is that like, yeah, that's when uh, they released two different Beauty and the Beast games for Sega Genesis. Oh, okay. Um, there was like Roar of the Beast, and then there was one for Bell, uh, Bell's Quest. Oh, interesting. Okay. Bell's Quest was more of a sort of like an adventure game, or Roar of the Beast was more like an action game. Gotcha. Yeah, so something for the boys, something for, for the girls in that case, I guess. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Sounds interesting. Uh, the Illusion Games, Quackshot, Aladdin, Lion King, Mickey Mania, and Gargoyles on the Genesis, as we mentioned Gargoyles before. Yep. Uh, Greg Herman, who says, hard to tell which one is better, DuckTales or Rescue Rangers? Thoughts, anyone? I think I lean towards Rescue Rangers because the level design was so cool because they are so small and how the objects were life-sized, uh, which is definitely something I, I appreciate as well, just like the overall design of like, the levels yeah. themselves and how everything's like bigger and all that. Um, I do want to make note of mm-hmm. one really dick thing in restaurants. If you're playing in co-op and you pick up your partner and you throw him at the enemies. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> why would you do that? You so jerks. that can like work to your benefit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that can work to your benefit as well, because if there's like really difficult uh, platforming parts, uh, it's just a lot easier if you have like one person picked up the other and just and just have like that person just just jump your way through it, basically. Uh, but otherwise, yeah, it could be like a dick as well in that case, too. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. um, Sean Dickin, who says Aladdin is still one of my all time favorites, never played the Genesis version. And I'm looking forward to getting a Genesis classic later this year to try it out. Um, which, Robert, can you confirm that uh, that Genesis Aladdin is going to be part of that Genesis classic? I was going to say. Um, no, it didn't get that. confirmed yet. It okay. has not been confirmed yet, but they still have 20 games to go. Okay, so it could be like a firm later on then, in that case. So yeah, mm-hmm. so like, that uh, would be a sell for me personally. There Big you go. Time. There you go. Uh, Jack Scripp, who says uh, Alice in Wonderland for GBC is kind of fun. So I oh. never even knew that they came out with an Alice in Wonderland game oh, yeah. for the Game Boy Color. They that one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so Robert, can you tell us a little bit about this? About Alice in Wonderland? Yeah. I don't know if you played it. Well, at all, but... I haven't played it. It's done by Digital Eclipse, but it, I oh, heard okay. it was pretty good. Yeah, I mean, like, sorry. I, I mean, I played Alice Madness Returns, but let's be honest, that's a completely different game. It's a very different yeah, game. Yes. Not a... <laughs> <laughs> so we're I not going that down game. that road. That is not a Disney game. <laughs> no, 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 no. But I heard it was very loyal to the uh, to the theme of the series. Yeah, uh, but one Disney game here from JoJo Clark. He mentions Magical Kingdom on NES, uh, and I've 
I, I've never played this game, but I've definitely seen it in action. Uh, I believe you just play as like a random kid, basically, who's helping out Mickey Mouse finding keys, basically, to yeah. get inside the Magical Kingdom to let like the parade out or something like that. And uh, it's yeah, just like a bunch of Disney, uh, yeah, Disney Adventure. Yeah, yeah, it's like a you bunch of mini games, su- basically. Yeah, I'm surprised nobody's mentioned the Magical Quest games on Super Nintendo. Like the first one with Mickey Mouse, the second one that the Circus Mystery with Mickey and Minnie, and then the third one with Mickey and Donald that never came out in the U.S. I think we've mentioned that before. Yeah, yeah, we did mention that one before, and uh, I, I do have it on my SNES Classic as well because I think I have the. Uh... I want to say I have the Japanese version of it because I think yeah. it came out in Europe. But I'm not 100 percent sure on that, mm-hmm. um, but it was really cool because because of the fact that you could play as both Mickey and Donald, and um, yeah, and like it, you know, also like has like the beautiful Disney style animation to it, and uh, you know, it basically plays like the Magical Quest games where you're throwing blocks and all that. So it's mm-hmm. really cool. Uh, there's also Crystalline Doucette who says Fantasia for the Genesis. Uh, I remember really loving the music. So I never played uh... Fantasia on the Genesis, but Jason, have you? Yeah, God, all of these are like bringing me back, and I'm, wow, I <laughs> that's love what Fantasia. we do. <laughs> See, if I if I recall, Fantasia had looser gameplay than Castle of Illusion, so it wasn't quite the same, but the design was cool. Yeah, I don't know. When you mentioned Fantasia, I keep thinking of that new one by Harmonix for Xbox One, where you guided your hands around yeah, to change the, the melody of the song. Oh yeah, yeah. No, no, no. yeah, yeah. That Fantasia was pretty cool, but yeah, it was. I, I would have to agree with them is in that it was cool to hear the music if you were a Fantasia fan. It the the gameplay it was super basic. It left it something to be desired. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but hearing the music in a video game, especially being a gamer growing up in that, was really cool. And it was like eight bit style uh tracks from the Fantasia soundtrack. It was that that part was cool. So I could see that. They got that right for sure. Oh yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Uh, Alex McCumbers, who says Magical Quest is definitely excellent, but more broadly, Capcom made the best Disney games, which I definitely have to agree. Yeah. And um, finally here, Eric Faulkner, who says the one Disney game I remember owning was The Lion King for SNES. I never finished it, though. I would use the Barry code just to skip the levels I wanted to play. Oh, no. The Barry code, I believe I remember, it was literally B A um, R R, like on the on the shoulder button, and yep. then uh, and the Y, basically, yeah, yeah, <laughs> do that. So, um, I'm, I'm kind of curious on what the story is behind it being Barry. Like, there must have been someone named Barry, like who made up Some that, developer, that code or something yeah. like that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, thanks to everyone there for sharing your favorite Disney games. Uh, definitely a lot there to unpack, but I think we got through a lot, a lot of big ones, and also some not so big ones. So. Some really cool ones there. And uh, Robert, I believe you have a game code to give away. I do. It's uh, for Tiny Builds Swag and Sorcery on Steam. It's a new Steam line RPG from the creators of Graveyard Keeper. Build your own fantasy village, train and equip your heroes, and send them out to collect swag. Uh, It's one of those fun little adventures where the more stuff you get, the better off you'll be. Uh, The Steam code is here. It is R7KNYN0CJD. KCMKM. That's for Swag and Sorcery on Steam. Do enjoy. Indeed. And if you do redeem either of those codes, definitely let us know at Arg Podcast on Twitter. Choose your character. And that's going to lead us now to the part of the show called Random Select, which is a yes or no 15 question game to guess which video game character that Robert is this week. Uh, so basically, it's going to be Jason and I acting as a team to guess which video game character that Robert is. Uh, if after five questions we don't get it, he'll give the first hint. After 10, he'll give the second hint. And if after 15 questions that we don't get it, then it's game over, as Raul Julia would say. So Ooh. whenever uh, whenever you're ready, Jason, you can throw out the first yes or no question. Oh, man. Uh, is it Disney related? 
Yes, because that's pretty much been the entire episode. <laughs> hey, you Fair can enough. never. I don't know if you're going to throw us through a loop. Okay. That, that's true. It, it could be the great mighty poo again. <laughs> it could be, it could be. It's not. Um, uh, are you one of the main party members in Kingdom Hearts? No. Oh, okay. Mm. So it's not Donald and it's not Goofy in that case. Um. Oh boy. Uh, are you? Do you have a mainline game about you? A main mainline I, I game? Like, like, is your? Uh, do you have a game? That is specifically catered to you. Yes. Okay. Would 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 I find someone dressed up as you in Disneyland? Uh depends where you go. I I don't <laughs> I don't know who's dressed <laughs> up as Disneyland anymore. For all we know, it could yeah, be anybody. That's true, actually. Uh, uh, it could be somebody dressed as a fan. You know, for all we know. Okay. Uh, there's a little possibility. Girls, little kids say. can go dressed as whatever they want. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I, I like because I, I was I was thinking of like the, the um, mascots, like, like the people who actually work there and everything. Yeah. Oh uh, exactly. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't think that, that this one has an actual mascot, but I wouldn't be surprised if somebody dressed as them. Okay, so maybe not someone like on the mainline series, like not Chip and Dale or anyone like that. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh, I think I have one actually. Um, I might jump in here with this. Um, can you be found in the show Ducktales? No. Mm, oh, okay. That was gonna be. I was there okay, with you. That's number five. That's number five. So I'm gonna go ahead and just go here. No matter what age I am, I've got a tough road ahead. <laughs> okay. Oh. No matter what age I am, so someone ageless, possibly. No matter what age I am, Ooh. I've got a tough road ahead. Um, are you an animal? Yes. Uh, see, do you have fur? Yes. Okay. I think it's fur. <laughs> yeah, it's fur. <laughs> okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. Do you walk on all fours? Yes, I do. Well, oh. I mean, not me personally, but my character does. <laughs> <laughs> I want to uh, see you personally now. Oh, God. You know what? I'm not going to <laughs> Prima offices ever. <laughs> uh, are you named after a planet? Uh, No. Oh, okay. I thought you were Pluto for a second. <laughs> <laughs> good, good try, but you're on the right track. Mm. Mm. Um, do you sing? Yes. And that leads us to our second clue. Uh, in the right game, I can shred like a boss. Oh, the right game, I can shred. Oh, uh, oh, okay. All right. Uh, uh, are you? <laughs> uh, can you not wait to be king? <laughs> <laughs> I cannot wait to be king. <laughs> Jason, uh, if you want to take the honors. <laughs> you, you beat me to that one. Are you Simba from Lion King? Yes, I am. There you go. Nice, nice. <laughs> well played. Yeah, I, I was, might I as well. I'm surprised I didn't get you with the first I'm surprised I didn't get you with the first clue, to be quite honest. I but when really you said like all fours, like I was just like, oh, it must be Pluto then. It's like it's oh, completely wait. kinky, I see. <laughs> <laughs> I had a feeling, but, but I always like to be a hundred percent sure. Right again, I hear you, one hundred percent. But yeah, that is. Uh, there we go. That was random select, and this round actually went pretty well uh, there. And uh, before we call the show here, uh, we do want to give our patron shoutouts here. Uh, as yes. we, uh, you know, we have Patreon.com/slash/Ardcast. Uh, Francisco Limus and Mac the Ball are our patrons at the moment. If you guys want to learn more, please visit our page over there. Patreon. Our link will be at the bottom of the page. 
Indeed. That's basically episode 160 in the books. And Jason, where can people go like, to find your work? Yeah, so you guys can find me uh, over on Twitter at the Mr. J underscore, or you can find me streaming on Twitch at the Mr. J. And if you want to find ArtCast on Twitter, we are at ArtPodcast. Same thing for Facebook, facebook.com slash ArtPodcast. And you can find me on Twitter at TheGuiltyMan. You can follow me on Twitter at twitter.com slash TheDCD. And you can also check out my work over there at MMOGames.com. And please be sure to check out our partner site, Don't Feed the Gamers, at don'tfeedthegamers.com. That is run by our good friend, Leanna Ruppert, where her team gives fan-centric news and reviews in gaming. If you'd like to send us any feedback, opinions, retro games, or topics for us to cover, or anything at all, really, you can email us at argcast at retrozap.com. And be sure to check out retrozap.com for all sorts of other amazing podcasts. It's your home away from home if you're crazy about Star Wars or pop culture in general. There is also us with Argcast, so be sure to find us on iTunes, subscribe, give us five stars, and tell your neighbors. We're also on Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Play Music, so there is absolutely no reason to not follow another retro gaming podcast. Alright, and that is episode number 160 in the books. Until next time, keep it retro, and if you do dress like Simba, don't make it look like you're an obvious furry. They don't like that <laughs> in Disneyland. You get kicked out. Yeah. <laughs> I just can't wait to be king. I'm just saying, baby. (laughs) (laughs) Just yeah, king of the jungle. Uh, King of the jungle. Oh no! Oh no! (laughs) (laughs) You know, you sounded a little too expertise there, there, David. Careful. I mean, it's a little bit of a crossover, Wizard of Oz, but I'll Mm -hmm. I'll deal with it. 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 Yeah. Okay, I'm scared now. (laughs) <laughs> At least he's not walking around like Goofy. Oh, hey, how you doing? Oh, hi. <laughs> Did you see my movie with Powerline? He's great. No, oh, man. I'm scared. You're, <laughs> You're scared. Okay, let's just not talk about it. a minute ago then. All right. <laughs> we'll see you guys next week for our next episode. Catch you guys later. What's up, everyone? I'm Chris from Weekly Games Chat. Along with my co-hosts, Sean and John, we cover the latest video games every Wednesday for your listening pleasure. We also make sure to rant about the latest movies, TV shows, and happenings in the sports world. If you like the show, catch one of our live streams on Twitch, follow us on Twitter, or even take the biggest jump of all and join our community on Discord. All found by simply searching Weekly Games Chat. Until then, I'll simply say game on in your mom's box. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.